0: Hey, y'all, this is Charlie, and we are living, loving, laughing in grace. Did you say it with me? Let's do it again. We are living, loving, laughing in grace. Amen. And uh, just want to thank you for joining with me again. We are now in the third part of a series where we are once again looking at our identity in Christ, right? Because that is our word for the year that we're taking from 1 John four seventeen. that just as Christ is... So are we in this world, amen? And let's say that together too. Just as Christ is, so are we in this world. My friends, there is so much power in that statement. Amen. Because you know who we identify with is who we will become. And that's what we're gonna see uh in this story that I keep telling y'all we're gonna get to. And so maybe now by the third podcast, we will. But oh, didn't the Lord give us such a great word? And the last two messages and, and that's just how he is, right? And we want to flow with him. And I want to thank you for being here to hear his word, because this is the most important thing that you can do in your day. My friends, whether it's listening to a podcast, a sermon, getting into the word yourself, Jesus told us that the one thing we need, the one thing. Let's listen to him, right? He is the savior of our souls, the great shepherd of our souls, the Bible says, the one who laid down his life for us. Do you think he knows what's best for us? He says the one thing we need is to hear his word every single day. Yes, he knows we got a lot of responsibilities. Jesus himself had more responsibilities when he was on this earth than anybody else. And do you know that we see in his life That every morning he rose up early to go and spend time with his father and every evening he did the same thing, right? And what did we see uh, in that story with David and Goliath? That Goliath would come out and roar at the people, throw accusations at them, put them down, try to get them wallowing in the dust every morning and every evening, so that tells us right there, because Goliath, you know, he represents judgment, but he also represents the devil. And that's how the devil comes against us. The devil uses judgment against us. He, His name actually, Satan, means the high accuser, the accuser of the brethren. And that's what he does. He goes around accusing us, accusing us, throwing accusations at us. And how do we counter that? We counter that by coming and sitting at the feet of of our savior, of reading his word, of seeing that he has declared that just as he is, so are we in this world. There is no judgment for us. How can there be any more judgment when we are just as Christ is? Amen. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8:1, therefore, there is now no condemnation. There is now no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you are in christ jesus i'm in christ jesus that's how we are just as he is amen and so uh we're going to get into this right because y'all know i'm going to go down so many bunny trails that we won't so we're just going to go ahead and get into numbers uh and jesus we do thank you for your presence thank you that you're here with us now Uh, opening yourself to us. That's what we want, Lord. We want to see more of you. We want to see who you are. We want to see your glories, your perfections. We want to see what you've done for us. And as we look to you, Jesus, we trust and believe that your spirit is going to work in us, that you are transforming us, Lord, that you are reviving us according to your word and according to your promises. We thank you that just as you are, righteous. Holy, accepted before the Father, forgiven, complete, perfect, strong, healthy, full of energy and peace and grace and mercy, just as you are, Jesus, so are we in this world, not waiting till we're in heaven, in this world. In Jesus' name we pray amen. All right, so we are going to Numbers 10, verse 33. I know I told y'all Numbers 11, and we're going to get there, but you know, I just can't leave out these few beautiful, rich verses at the end of Numbers 10, where it tells us, so I told y'all last time, kind of gave you a a quick overview that turned into a long overview. That's still kind of quick if you consider that I put like, you know, I don't know, 10 years of history into a 30-minute podcast. Uh, Actually probably really a couple hundred years worth of history, but anyways, so that we got the Israelites and they're in the desert, right? The Lord has brought them out of Egypt. Um, he, the first two years that they were traveling in the desert, they were under the grace covenant that God had made with Abraham. And it was because of that grace covenant, the covenant that was completely based on the goodness of God and not the people that the Lord had brought them out of Egypt to start with. And that's the same covenant they stayed under for the first two years until they got to Mount Sinai and boasted and said, Hey, God, anything you can command, we can do it. In other words, we can make ourselves just as holy and righteous as you are. And that got them the Ten Commandments and the other 600 plus laws of the Lord, right? If you think you can make yourself as holy as the Lord, there's a long list of rules for you to read. But do you know, in God's grace, And God's mercy, the very next thing he did after giving them the 10 commandments that they asked for, that he knew no man could keep, the very next thing he did was give them the instruction on how to build an altar and how to bring a sacrifice in their place. Why? Because my friends, God's heart and desire is to bless us. He never wanted to give them that covenant because he knew that man would always fail and always end up on the cursing side of it. Because the the Ten Commandments is a covenant that says, give me good when I do good and give me bad when I deserve it, when I do bad. So man always ends up on the, give me the bad side. Right? I don't have to tell you about your own life. (laughs) Okay? Don't have to tell me about mine either. I know. Right? So the Lord gave them the description of how to make the altar so they could bring a sacrifice when they failed, when they blew it, so that God would not have to punish them. And because of the perfection of that sacrifice, he could still bless them. So even in at the height of man's rebellion, we see God's grace and mercy. And isn't that exactly what happened when he sent his son? Man rebelled against God. Man rejected God's son. Man rejected the fullness of God's grace and mercy and love rejected the humility that the God that created the heavens and the earth would come down and put on human flesh so that he could save us. And still we rejected him, took his son and nailed him to a tree, despised him, ridiculed him, shamed him. And yet God took that, the greatest act of man's rebellion, and turned it into our very salvation, the greatest act of His love and grace. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. First John 4:10. Hallelujah, my friends. Woo! Hallelujah. So the people have found themselves under this covenant, right? They, they asked for it so now here they are and they're departing from that mountain uh, where they were given this. And it says, so they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for the three days journey to search out a resting place for them. So this is what has happened. It's time for them to move out. But the Ark of the Covenant, my friends, which the Ark of the Covenant speaks of Jesus. Everything about the Ark of the Covenant speaks of Jesus. And so um, the Ark moves out and it goes a three days journey ahead of the people searching out for a resting place for them. My friend, do you see that? What was God's desire to find a resting place for them. And we know that the ark represents Jesus. And was there another time? We already talked about it. Because you all know I get so far ahead of myself. And I just love talking about what Jesus did for us. That we've already talked about it. I got it, I got ahead of myself. What is another time when Jesus went on a three days journey. To bring us a resting place. Yeah, when he went into the grave, my friends. Jesus went into the grave on a three day journey. to to take our sins for us, to take our punishment for us, to go into the grave to bring us a resting place. Amen. He put away our sins. It tells us in Romans 4.25, who was delivered up because of our offenses. It's talking about Jesus. It's saying that he was delivered up for our offenses and was raised up because of our justification my friends the very truth that jesus christ came up out of that grave is the proof that our sins have been put away that's what that statement was just saying it says that he his his coming up out of the grave is proof that we have been justified and what is justified just as if i would never sinned and you know the very next verse after this one is one i've shared before y'all heard me shared a lot therefore Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, that is our resting place. Our resting place is that we have now been justified. We have now been made righteous, right with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Our Savior went on a 3 days journey to find us the perfect resting place. We have been justified. We are at peace with God. My friends, God is not angry at you. God has no anger left for you. He exhausted it in the body of his son, his righteous, holy anger. He released it all in his son. And that is why Jesus cried out, I thirst because he took the fiery judgment that we all deserved. It is not God who is angry at you. It might be your conscience. It might be someone else yelling at you. It's the devil telling you that God is angry at you because God is no longer angry at you. We have peace with God. You are on favor ground with the Lord. It puts it this way in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 2, it tells us that, and as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood he himself that is jesus christ likewise shared in the same and otherwise in, in other words jesus christ took on flesh and blood why so that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil my friends god can't die okay god can't die he's all powerful He can't die. And that's exactly why he had to come in the likeness of flesh and blood so that he could die in our place. Do you see how much he must love you? Do you see his humility that he would do that? He took on our position so that he could die in our place. And why? Who had the power of death? My friend, God hates death. He hates it. He calls it an enemy. He came so that he could destroy death. Amen. His son did not conquer the grave because because, uh, because God is one with death. The Bible said there's not even a mention of God's name as death. It says that the devil had the power of death. And how did he get that? When Adam and Eve bowed their knee to him in the garden. The Bible says that it is through sin that death came into this world. And so Jesus came that he might destroy destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. My friends, that's me and you. Man's deepest fears are all rooted in death. And Jesus came to release us from that. You know, as a believer, you are never going to die. You're simply going to wake up. You're going to go to sleep and wake up in a much better place with a much better body and the very presence of the lover of your soul, the one who created you. We have nothing left to fear. You know, the Bible says that the believer's position is not to look forward to death and to fear like the world does. The world has a reason to fear death. If they have not received Jesus Christ, they have a reason to fear death because when they die, they're going to go to the second death, which is the lake of fire for all of eternity. My friends, hell is a real place. Jesus talked about it. It is a real place. It's not a place he ever meant man to go. It was the place he created for the angels that rebelled against him to go. But once Adam and Eve rebelled against the Lord, well now the Lord has to have a place for man to go if they refuse to accept the salvation that he's given them. But it's not his desire and that's exactly why his son came. So the world has a reason to fear death. But we, the Bible says, shouldn't be looking at death, looking forward to death, which means, my friends, we shouldn't always be thinking about the day we're going to die. What we're meant to think about is the day that Jesus is going to come. The Bible says look up and rejoice for your redemption draws Near what is that my friends the redemption of your body your spirit has already been redeemed It's never going to be redeemed again You were dead and now you're alive just as christ is seated in the heavenlies That's where your spirit is seated, but your body. I ain't got to tell you needs to be redeemed Look up with joy for your redemption draws near the day that you're going to see jesus face to face Draws near, my friends. That is our position. That is what we are looking forward to. It says it again in Hebrews four one. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, of entering His rest, see the Lord created a rest for us, just as it was talking about. See how we how we've talked about before that the old covenant is is. The new covenant hidden and the new covenant is the old covenant revealed. So we see that it said that the ark went on a three days journey to search out a resting place for them. And then in the new covenant, we see where it tells us that Jesus Christ has come and has given us that rest. It goes on to say, lest, let, us, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Do you know, my friends, this is the only time the New Testament tells a believer to fear? The only thing we are to fear is to fear not entering the rest that the Lord has given us. It says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. It's talking about the Israelites in the desert. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith and those who heard it. In other words, they heard the good news from the Lord. They heard the good news from him that he had prepared a promised land for them, a land where, where the, that flowed with milk and honey, a land that had homes that they didn't have to build and, and wells that they didn't have to dig and vineyards and olive groves that they would get to eat from that they didn't have to plant. My friend, what does it all speak of? It speaks of rest. They get to enter into God's rest, but you know what? They didn't believe him. They got to the very edge of the promised land and they refused to believe in God's goodness. They refused to believe that he had given them a land of rest. But it goes on to say in Hebrews 4, 3, and my brother, my sister, this is you. This is you and me. I believe it. I'm claiming it. I'm declaring it. That's why you're listening to me today. That's why you tune in every week because this is you. You are the believer that believes for we who have believed do enter that rest. Say amen. Amen. You have entered God's rest. You are at rest with God. You are at peace with God. You are resting in everything he wants to do for you. That's what the Promised land spoke of my friends. It spoke of everything that God wanted to do for his people. All they had to do was believe and walk in and receive it. Jesus has fought the victory for us. He has defeated the devil. He has taken the power of death from the devil. We have nothing left to fear. We simply believe the good news and we enter into that same rest. Hallelujah. Your father wants you to live a heavenly life here on earth. And we do that when we trust and rest in the work of our savior, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So it says that the ark went on this three days journey to search out a resting place for them. So even in the physical, in this physical story, the ark went ahead of the people to find the perfect place for them to rest. It says, and the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. My friend, they're in the desert. What is a cloud over you when you're in the desert? That's your air conditioning. (laughs) My friends, that's keeping the glare of the sun off of you. That's keeping you nice and cool as you travel through the desert. And if you've been in a very dry, arid desert like this one is, and I've been there, it is a very dry desert, then you know that simply by stepping into the shade, you you can be going into a 20, 30 degree difference from the sun to the shade. You can immediately feel the cooling effects of that. And I'm sharing that. For all my friends that are in the, the southeast, right? In the in the US, where you got that wonderful humid heat. Yup, that's what I grew up in. And and I can tell you that you go in the shade there, it don't make that much of a difference. Right? The sun's up, the sun's down, it don't matter. It's just hot. It's just sticky hot. And you need a shower right after you take a shower, right? But in a dry heat, right? People say would always tell me, Yeah, but it's a dry heat. And I'm like, Yeah, so I feel like I'm in a convection oven. Either way, I'm hot. <laughs> No, one hundred and ten is one hundred and ten. I don't care. But actually, um, I get what they're saying. And in this case, right, the Lord was a cloud over them, and so He was air conditioning for them. He, He, He took. In other words, what was He doing? He was taking the heat for them. Amen, my friend. These people didn't have to struggle in any way. The Lord was looking out for them. He was taking care of them. Did they have to use their own little legs and walk? Yes. Just like we, we do things about our day, right? We don't actually just sit on our, our couch and food doesn't float over to us and and money doesn't just appear, you know? Yeah, you go and you, you go to your job, but go to your job with the cloud of the Lord mentality that guess what? The Lord is with you. The Lord is over you. He's taking the brunt of the heat, right? You know what else that speaks of? Stress, right? Because once Adam fell, He had a job before he fell. The Lord has designed us to be creative and to express that creativity in our work. But Adam's work wasn't stressful until after he fell. And then the Lord said, by the sweat of your brow shall you eat. Right? So so this is the Lord showing us that, you know, by that cloud, he's taking our stress. So yeah, you have a job, you go to work or you work at home or maybe you're um. Calling is, is taking care of your children. And there's two ways we can look at it. We can look at it that it's oh so stressful. Or we can see that the Lord is with us. And that he is taking the brunt of that. He's taking the heat. So that we do the same job. We walk through the same uh, footsteps, right? But the Lord's keeping us cool. And I believe there were different kinds of people there. That some of them could see nothing but the desert. And complain about it. and complain. And we know because it's about to happen. And there were other people walking through the exact same desert that kept their eyes up and just, wow, this cloud, no matter how far we travel, this cloud goes with us. I'm so thankful that the Lord is above us, keeping us cool, taking care of us, guiding us where we need to go, right? My friends, it's all in our perspective. So it says that, so it was whenever the ark set out. That Moses said, rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. So when the ark would go on the move and they would go on the move, this is what Moses would say. Rise up, O Lord. Why? The ark represents the Lord. And the Lord's presence would go before them in this cloud. And he would say, let your enemies be scattered. In other words, clear the way before us. You know, the Lord is clearing the way before you. The Bible even says that his glory goes before you and comes behind you. What does that mean? You're protected either way and you're going out and you're coming in is another way it says it in the city and in the country and your home. And when you're out, right, that's what going and coming means. And it says, and when it rested, he said, return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel, the many thousands of Israel. So when it rested, when the ark rested, the people rested. Now it says, so the ark has rested and the people are resting. And this is Numbers 11 verse 1. And it says, now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it and his anger was aroused. My friend, you know what they're complaining about? They're complaining about the place that the ark went ahead and found for them and said, this is a good resting place for the people. And when the people got there, they complained about it. In other words, they're complaining about what the Lord has done for them. I hope you can see that and understand that no wonder the Lord's anger was aroused against them because he's gone on a three-day journey. Spiritually speaking, this is like when people diminish the work of Jesus Christ. He went on an arduous, treacherous, painful three-day journey for us to bring us to a resting place. And then people complain about it. They disdain it right? They complain about their walk with the Lord. They make it sound as if being a Christian is such a burdensome task. And can I tell you, my friend, if you think being a Christian is a burdensome task, you're not doing it right. (laughs) Okay. That's the problem is that your eyes aren't on the Lord because he's carried all the burden for us. Amen. Do we have persecution? Yes. The Bible tells us we will be persecuted, but that's people will persecute you because of the Spirit of the Lord on you. But our relationship with Jesus is all about everything he's done for us and he carries us. Even in those persecutions, he will be the one to protect us and lift us up on his wings. The Bible never says we carry him on our wings right? But sometimes we get that idea, like we got to do this for God and we got to do that for God and we got to take care of this and take care of that. And he's just waiting, waiting for us to get done spinning our wheels, right? And let him come in and pick us up and carry us. So it says that his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Now remember, this is after Mount Sinai. Do you know before Mount Sinai, When they were still under a grace covenant, they committed the same sin. My friends, complaining is a sin. And this is why complaining is a sin, because complaining is saying that what the devil can do to you is greater than what the Lord can do for you. It's saying that the circumstances that are against you are greater than what the Lord can do for you. It's essentially complaining is simply putting no trust in the Lord right? And so that's why it's such a great, a great sin. In other words, it's saying this other thing is so much greater than the Lord. And, um, and you know what? We are not under the old covenant today. Say, thank you, Lord. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Because if we were, every time we complain, whoop, somebody's getting burned up. (laughs) Aren't you grateful Jesus came, right? Because honestly, that's what we deserve. But, um, If you go back and look, you will see the first two years that the Israelites were traveling to Mount Sinai. They complained and complained and complained and nobody ever died because they were under a grace covenant. The covenant they were under was one that was based on God's goodness and not man's goodness. They even threatened to kill God's appointed leadership, Moses and Aaron, and God still didn't kill anyone. You know, when they complained about not having Having, I think I told you all about this before, but we'll just say everything they complain about. God oversupplied and over answered their their complaints. But the problem is now they're under the old, they're they're under the covenant that's based on what they can do. And so when they complain, it says the the Lord's anger was aroused, so the fire of the Lord burned among them. But listen, this even still we see God's mercy, and that it says and consumed some. Not all consumed some. He had every right to consume all of them. But he didn't out of his mercy and grace. And who did he consume? Those in the outskirts of the camp. Let me tell you something, my friends. You know where the ark was when they rested? Every time they came to a halt, the ark would be in the very center of the camp. And remember, the ark represents Jesus Christ. So these people who are in the outskirts of the camp, they have no heart for Jesus. Otherwise, they'd be in the center where he is. And no wonder they're full of complaining. They have no heart for Jesus. They're not looking to Jesus. They don't see who they are in Jesus. And so instead, all they see is things to complain about. So these are people that have no heart for the Lord. And so it says that some of them are consumed. Then the people cried out to Moses. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. What did it take to stop the fire? Simply praying to the Lord, my friends, that's it. You want to know the difference in a complaint and a prayer? The difference is who are you talking to about it? It is that easy, cause you know what? We all do it. It's unfortunately our human nature. We complain. That's our human nature. But you know how you how you can turn a complaint into a prayer? Instead of complaining to your coworker about the way your boss treats you, talk to God about it. There you go. You just took a complaint and turned it into a prayer, right? You're you're so tired of that that situation that you're constantly dealing with at home. Instead of complaining. To your family members, talk to God about it. You just turned it into a prayer. My friend, it's simply taking those things. You know what? I wonder how much more we would learn to trust the Lord and rely on him and let go if we simply took all the things we complain about and took them to the Lord. My friend, I'm telling you what, you know, God loves it. He wants hear it. But see, when these people complained, they weren't talking to the Lord about it. They were complaining to each other about it. In essence, implying that the Lord doesn't care, doesn't want to take care of them, isn't doing a good job taking care of them. And that's what complaining is. So let's take our complaining and just take it to the Lord. Hey Lord, you know what? You know I've been dealing with this with this issue. Whatever it is, Father, I'm I'm putting it in your hands. I know that you are a good God, that your grace endures forever, that you love me. So I'm putting this in your hands. Amen. Hallelujah, my friends. And talking about letting go, y'all know it's time for me to let you go. And we, we still got some good some goodies coming up. But I'm going to have to let you go. It's always so hard for me to do because I enjoy our time together. And, and the Lord just gives us such rich food to feast off of. Um, so just uh, remember, remember who you are in Christ, right? That, that takes care of a whole lot of that complaining too because when you remember, hey, just as Christ is accepted by the Father, just as Christ is delighted in by the Father, just as the Father rejoices in his Son, the Father is rejoicing in me. The Father delights in me. The Father accepts me and that gives you the boldness to take every one of your concerns to the Lord. Amen. He wants to hear what's in your heart. My friends, that is how the Lord ordained things. He knows what's best for us, but he's not going to force his desires on us. We have to open ourselves up to receive from him and we do that through prayer. That's how we simply invite God to step down into our situations, to step down into our life, to step down into what we got going on, right? Is through prayer. So see yourself just as Christ is seated right next to the father. See yourself sitting right next to the father, so close to him that you barely have to whisper. And he hears your every desire. He hears your every request. He hears your every need. And he's so very close that right there, he answers. My friends, your father, he so delights in you. He so delights in being in communion with you. And and when we see that, we recognize it. We are honoring the work of his son. Amen. Amen, my friends. All right. So just as Christ is, so are you in this world. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and grant you peace in Jesus name. Amen. All right, y'all till next time. Keep on living, loving and laughing in grace.